0: During our time of greeting, I was over here talking with Kay and I was so tempted to just switch two or three of them. <laughs> Once upon a time, I would have done something like that, wouldn't I have? But, but I didn't. Uh, uh, so glad that you're you're here today. At the end of our service, we'll have Nene's baptism. A lot of her family members are here, and we thank you for being with us today. Uh, Frances Light, who taught in the Annie House, who ran the Annie House cook, Kindergarten after Annie House Cook did for many, many years. Charles and sisters with us today. Her son David, one of my dear friends for as long as we've lived. So I'm glad that, that you're all here. And uh, a dear lady, I don't even remember her name. I called her Granny Smith my whole life. Um, several of her family members. did a wedding yesterday on the Chattahoochee River at the Roswell River Landing, and it was a beautiful venue for a wedding. And it made me think back of my, one of my favorite weddings, and the groom and I have played phone tags this weekend. He works for Duke University, and they were married off the coast of Wilmington on a gated private island called Figure Eight Island. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, if not, you should, but it's hard to get there. Uh, But because I was doing the wedding, they let us stay a week in a private residence on Figure Eight Island with several other family members. And nothing commercial on the island, no post office, no store, just fabulous houses and the yacht club is all that's on the island. Uh, Three or four miles long, Sometimes you'd go on the beach and there'd be no one there, no one, so very often you'd have it all to yourself. And so, we really enjoyed ourselves at Figure 8 Island. There was one problem. We had to leave by 10 o'clock Monday morning. And we really did not want to leave. You ever done that? You've had a timeshare, you've gone somewhere, and you've got it till 10 o'clock, and you're going to stay there until 9.59 and a half? But then if you stay too much longer, the meter starts running again, you have to pay for it. And when I found out the house was $6,000 for the week, I considered my options, and I was glad to leave. You ever been glad to leave a place? Maybe a Broncos fan after the Super Bowl was glad to get out of there. Maybe a Falcons fan after any game was glad to get out of there. I'm always glad to leave the dentist office. If there's a dentist here today, I'm sorry, but I'm always glad to get away from there. Today, we're going to talk about leaving a place that we all know so very, very well. Leaving a life of sin. Leaving a life of sin. I said that. That's what you heard. Is that possible? Let's pray together. Father, we're all on the same page. We know what that is. We know our shortcomings many times. Some of us have made progress and some of us have a long way to go. Thank you that I didn't move those bells to mess Bill up today, but I thought about it. Sometimes we need help with the way we think. So Father, we pray through your word and your spirit that you would just touch us, instruct us, challenge us for the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to begin in John chapter 8, a very familiar story that most likely you know. Beginning to verse 2, it says, Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down and he taught them, obviously, he named Jesus. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had sent her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said testing him, John tells us, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So they continued asking him. He raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you Let him throw stone at her first. Again, he stooped down and he wrote in the ground. People have debated over time what he was writing. It's just guessing that people would guess. A couple of things I have heard. Some say he was writing the Ten Commandments. Our sins that he knew the crowd had committed. Others say he was writing their very names. And what they had done. Because when he says the next statement. When he said. He was without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. And he stops and writes on the ground. And he's writing more about their lives. Who knows but it worked. Those who heard it. Verse 9. Being convicted by their conscience. Went out one by one. Beginning with the oldest. Even to the last. Jesus was left alone. The woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's an amazing story to me. It's a story about many things and we could go in lots of directions. It's a story about religious hypocrites who had no love. It's a story about sin. It's a story about forgiveness. It's a story about love. But the thing that jumps out at me is the last part of verse 11. What Jesus told the woman as she left. Five words. Go and sin no more and you see that, and you hear that, and it's so familiar, and you've got in the back of your head, ask, is that possible? Can we do that? Can we live lives without sin once we know Christ? A couple of quotes that have meant a lot to me over time. Leonard Ravenhill used to say, I'm not saying that it's impossible for us to sin, I am saying that it's impossible for us not to sin. We have a problem. Duncan Campbell said this, you'll never get to the place in your life where it is impossible for you to sin, but thanks be to God that you're in a position where it is possible for you not to. The position of maturity, the position of growth that hopefully all of us find. As I hear those words, I think of my life. There's still sin. However, I'm way ahead of where I once was. I'm a way improved version of what I used to be. (laughs) Even in the last year, I believe I've moved in the right direction. But isn't that the greatest of goals? Go and sin no more. What a goal that would be. When I hear Jesus say those words to go sin no more, I truly believe that's exactly what he meant for that woman that day, and I think he means that for me. Here's the question. Do we aim too low? Do we aim too low? Do we expect to always take one step forward and one step back? Have we settled for partial salvation, free from the penalty of sin, but still a slave to its power? You ever set goals or resolutions in your life? Ever make a resolution like go no, and sin no more? Do you believe it's possible? Let's look at the scripture that has helped me tremendously. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Romans 6, beginning at verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? People believe that. God loves me, He's going to give me grace. I might as well sin so He can give me a bunch of grace. The answer is verse 2, of course. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? We talked about that last week, about identifying with Christ. We died, we're buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Even in the time of the New Testament, being written. People weren't too sure that it was possible that you could go and sin no more. Their thinking was something like, God loves me and will forgive me no matter what, so I might as well keep on sinning. But then Romans is written, and we get to verse 2, and we find those five words. We have died to sin. I have a picture in my mind. Suppose I have a friend who died. And I've gone to the funeral home. Here he is. And I've decided that I've got a foolproof way to rob the bank. Which bank, I don't know. I haven't given it too much thought. But I'm going to rob the bank. And I've got a foolproof way. And I know there's $80 million there. And I'm going to go get it. And I want a partner. And so I go to my friend in the casket at the funeral home. And I say, friend, I want you to drive the getaway car. And I'll give you half of it. I'll give you $40 million if you go with me. Is he going? Yep. Remember, he's a guest of honor at a funeral. <laughs> he's dead. He's not going Morris. You're the expert. Is he going with me? <laughs> Morris says no. I'll take Morris's word. <laughs> but then I have a friend in line. And I go to my friend in line and I make him the same deal. Half of it. Is he going? Well, it depends on his level of commitment. If he's not sold out to Jesus, perhaps he's going. If he is, if he realizes the, wrong, the words of, in Romans are true, that we have died to sin, then he's not going. Let's put it this way. Let's say I'm about to get married. And I say to my fiancé, dear, I just want you to know that I just watched Jerry Springer. And the expert on the day says it's impossible for a man to be faithful to his wife for the rest of his life. All men cheat, the expert on Jerry Springer said. So I want you to know, because I love you, I'll try to on the cheat on Tuesdays and Thursdays and every other weekend. Do you see the future Mrs. agreeing on to that one? No. So why is it that we try and have a similar deal with God? We say, God, I, I might be bad, but I'm better than I used to be. Or, God, I might be bad, but I'm better than old so-and-so. What has helped me? is when I realize that I am dead to sin, I have an invaluable weapon in my spiritual battles because I can picture myself as that dead person, dead to sin, where there's no way they can do something, and hopefully I can eventually see myself that way. When we realize we are dead to sin, we have a wonderful weapon. So the next time you're confronted with sin, do that. Picture yourself in that coffin. Realize how ridiculous it is even for you to be tempted. There's two words that I have in my mind, and we're going to begin this around Easter, maybe right after Easter, the power of Christ living in us. Two words pop in my mind when I'm confronted with sin, and those two words are spiritual warfare. I have to realize there's a battle going on. And I have to realize every decision I make down here can be a result of a battle that's being fought up there. And I need to make sure that I realize that God is with me. Romans 6.11 says this. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. What Jesus said to that woman is you don't have to sin. And that's exactly what I need to hear him say to me. And if we're alike, and we are, that's exactly what you need him to say to you. Let's pray together. Father, let us picture that. Forgive us if we have settled for something less than we ought to have. Help us to consider ourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Help us to know that we have died to sin. Father, as you said so long ago because of your wonderful love to that lady who was caught doing something she should not. You did not condemn her but you told her to go and sin no more. Help us to know that you will go with us after you tell us You will walk with us, help us along that journey. Father, thank you that you give us that strength to do all of those things that we need to do. Make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What we have now for you as we get ready for our baptism is we have a video. And we wanted you to see this video that that Mickey has made and Charles has made. While you're watching that, we will be getting ready for our.